Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us now. We pray that you would help us to understand your word. That we would see you afresh. That we would bow before you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever wished that God would speak to you? In our church prayer diary, it's something that we regularly pray for, that God would speak to us as we meet around his word. And hopefully it's what you pray as you sit down to read your Bible at home or at work or wherever you do it. Recognising that this isn't like any other book. That this is God's word, that God will speak to you as you read it. But I wonder if you've ever wished that God would speak to you audibly, clearly, directly. Wouldn't it make things so much easier? You're trying to make a difficult decision and a voice from heaven comes to tell you who you should marry or what job you should do or which car to buy or whatever those decisions are. Wouldn't it be so much easier for God to speak and tell you? Or perhaps you want God to speak to you to explain himself for what he's doing in the world. Or in your life. To hear uh, why you've gone through such a difficult time recently. Why this has happened or why that didn't happen. A word directly from God. That's what you want. And everything would be better. Or at least more bearable. That's what Job thought. And that's what Job wanted. Throughout his conversation with his comforters, Job has been uh, wanting to confront God, to speak directly to God, to hear God speak to him. He has maintained his innocence throughout. He wishes that there was some way of having his day in court. Of charging God with unfairness. Of appealing his own innocence and receiving vindication. And when you remember Job's story, you might just think that he's justified with that desire. Job was a wealthy man. He was the greatest man in the East. Camels, livestock, you name it, he had it. But suddenly, like a row of dominoes, falling one after the other, disaster struck. His livestock were all killed or captured. His ten children all perished. And as if all that wasn't enough, he then suffered from ill health. 
sore sores all over his body. Really sore sores. Job maintained his innocence. But his three so-called friends knew uh, there must be some secret sin from which he needed to repent. (coughs) Excuse me. And so the conversation goes back and forth between Job and his three friends. Eventually, in chapter 31, Job finishes his plea. And then a younger man called Elihu speaks up. And he speaks for uh, six chapters from chapter 32 to chapter 37. But we didn't look at him in this series because, well, he doesn't really add anything new that we haven't already seen. And also he's ignored in the rest of the book. God doesn't speak about him, doesn't speak to him. uh, And so we're just going to set Elihu aside. But in chapter 38, where our reading began tonight... Job gets his wish. Verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. God is speaking to him directly. But it's not quite what he expected. You see, Job thought that he would get answers to his questions. But instead, Job, sorry, God has some questions for Job. It's as if Job wanted to get God onto the TV program Question Time. So put God on the panel and ask him all the questions and get all the answers out of him. Except Job finds himself on mastermind. He's in the big black leather chair. The spotlight is on him with a pass for every question he's asked. Now sometimes uh, when I'm asked why it's raining or why it's cool today, uh, I joke that I'm in sales not management. That I'm representing the Lord in the world, but I'm not running the world. But that's what's going on here. You see, Job thinks that he would do a better job of running the world than God. He thinks that he would be fairer, that he would be better at being God than God. So God asks a few simple questions about how the world works. And I was joking earlier that, you know, with a normal sized Bible reading, you know, 10 verses or whatever, we do a 20 minute sermon. So for four chapters, we must be doing, you know, ours tonight. But don't worry, we're not going to look at every verse. Chapter 38, verse 4. God asks, where were you? When I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding. So, you know, we around that day, Job, that first day when I made the world, did you see how it was done? 
Or verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Do you get up, Job, and say, right, sun, up you come, over the horizon, and you follow that course and set later on? Can you say, right, sun, up you come? Verse 22, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? Sorry, yes, verse 22. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Have you seen where, where God keeps the snow and the hail? Do you know how he does that? Or look back at verse 21. God gets a wee bit sarcastic. He says, you know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Job, if you're telling me how to run the world, well, you must be, you know, ancient. You must know things better than I do. God then goes into the specifics of the management of his creation. Verse 31, he Talks about the stars and constellations. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season or can you guide the bear with its children? Did you tell the stars where to be? Did you command the northern lights to appear in the other night? Well, did anyone do that? No. And then it becomes like one of those David Attenborough programs. As God talks about the clouds, about rain and lightning, about the lions and the ravens and the mountain goats and the wild donkeys and the wild ox and the ostrich and the horse and the hawk and the eagle. Do you know all about them? Do you know why they do the things they do? Do you provide for them? Do you uh, make them what they are? Question after question. Pass after pass. The Christian author uh, J.B. Phillips once wrote a book called Your God is too small and even five minutes with these questions helps us to see the the bigness of God the almightiness of God how big and powerful and wise God is God increases in size and we are aware of how small and how powerless and how insignificant we are in God's great and vast universe. That's the conclusion that Job comes to at the start of chapter 40. Verse 1. And the Lord said to Job, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? 
I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer. Twice, but I proceed no further. You think Job has learnt his lesson. But God knows that he hasn't. And so, ding ding, round two. Here, the issue at stake isn't who rules, as the first set of questions was, but about who saves. Is Job able to save himself? Is Job able to rescue himself? And so, from verse 7, as, as the Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind again, he says, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like his? So do you really think that you're like me? That you're powerful like me? That you can do as you please. That you can save. And God gives two case studies. Two examples of mighty fearsome beasts. And the simple question is this. Could you save yourself from them? Could you control them? And the two beasts are there. In the rest of chapter 40 and then chapter 41. The behemoth and the leviathan. Behemoth on the land and leviathan in the sea. Now the commentators are divided about exactly what is being talked about here. What these animals really are. Behemoth, the land one it sounds a bit like a rhino or some kind of woolly mammoth maybe some people think it might even be a dinosaur but whatever it is the description is fearsome the um, bones like uh, tubes of bronze and limbs like bars of iron his strength in his loins his power in the muscles of his belly his tail stiff like a cedar, the sinews of his thighs knit together. But look at what God says about this mighty, fearsome beast, Behemoth, uh, in verse 15. Behold, Behemoth, which I made as I made you. God made it. God has control of it in the same way that God made us and rules over us. The challenge is there in the last verse of that chapter, verse 24. Can one take him by his eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? And the answer is not likely. And then we come to Leviathan. 
Again, we're not sure. It sounds like a crocodile with its rows of shields on its back, its power and its terror. And look at the questions about it, verses 1 to 8. Can you draw out Leviathan with the fish hook? So imagine uh, that you know, we have a crocodile uh, in, the, in the eye. You know, does everyone want to move a wee bit closer to the wall? Or try and escape out the back door? Could you press down his tongue with a cord? Anyone want to try and tie up his mouth? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you with soft words? Is the crocodile going to go, Oh, you know, I just really like you. Or what about uh, verse 5? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Walkies. Here's the lead. Off you go, girls. Take Mr. Crocodile for a walk. (laughs) Not likely. Or verse 8. Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Now if, if it is a crocodile, then the answers are obviously no. But there's a fair chance that the that Leviathan is even more terrifying than a crocodile. That this may well be the devil that's being described here. And I say that because of other references to Leviathan both in Job and in other books of the Bible. So do you want to take on the devil? Do you want to make him your pet? Just toy with him? Either way, God is saying that God is powerful. That he has the devil on a leash. That God is in control. The devil may be hostile, may be fearsome, but God's in charge of him. God has him on a leash. As I think I shared before, uh, Martin Luther said uh, that the devil is God's devil. Your God is too small. Hopefully not after looking at these questions. So Job did have God speaking directly to him. But it wasn't at all what he expected. Rather than receiving any explanations or any answers... God only had questions for him. Questions which showed Job just how small he is. How much he doesn't know. And therefore how little he really would understand the workings of the universe. Notice that God didn't say, you know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. 
that God didn't even say, here's what's been happening all along. The devil and me have been having a wee chat just to see how you get on. Job doesn't get any answers. Only questions. Perhaps you're still wanting to have God speak to you. To explain to you what's going on in your world, in your life. And what God seems to be saying here is that we may not get the answers we want. We certainly don't know how the universe works or why things happen the way they do. But that we know the God who does. Because all those questions that for us and for Job are past, I don't know. I have no notion. God knows everyone. God is the one who established the world. God is the one who set the stars in place. God is the one who designed and made each creature and put it in its habitat and its place. God is the one who the devil on a leash like Job even without any answers can you trust God almighty knowing that he is indeed almighty That he is in control. And that we are in his hand. Let's pray. (coughs) Lord God we praise you. For your word. We thank you. uh, That you speak to us through what you spoke to Job that day long ago we pray that you would help us to hold to your word that we would trust in you and rejoice that you are almighty God we pray that you would help us to bow the knee to you in worship and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord.